Welcome to the Music Talk podcast with me, Graham Farmer. In this series of conversations, I interview some of the biggest artists, DJs, and producers in the world. I hope you enjoy this series. Let's get into it. How are you? Good morning. Because cool. it's you're super early for you, isn't it? Yes, it's eight fourteen a.m. It's okay. Gave me good excuse to get up and get things going a little bit early. Thank you for getting up for for for, for us. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Happy to be here. As I said, I, I I feel like we've covered you so much on Data Transmission over the years, and like we spoke on text a few times, and it's actually lovely to see your face and to talk to you properly. And um, and, I know. Uh, so, so yeah, so thank you. Yeah. No, happy to be here, and thanks for all the support. Appreciate it. We always start my live streams because it's lunchtime here with what is known as the meal deal in the UK. Uh, the meal deal in the UK is things like basically when you go to one of the supermarkets, you get like a sandwich, crisp, drink deal. Um, I don't even know mm. when this started as part of my streams, but it's now become everyone wants to know everyone that comes on here. They're literally go to choice when it comes to a lunchtime variety, or I guess in your case today, breakfast. So you take your pick. What is your lunchtime go to? If you don't know what, what I'm doing. I, I mean, it's a salad, always. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Almost always, yeah. I try, anyway. Every once in a while, I'm weak. Uh, we have, we have the, I have the prawn-layered one here from the shop around the corner, which is pretty tasty. Oh, that uh, sounds incredible. I always get these bags of salads. I don't know if you guys get those in those grocery mm. stores. We They sell them in a bag, and like there's like the toppings and then the dressing in a little bag inside the bag and then you make it sometimes you can get two salads two bowls of salad out of it and i'll even save something for the next day or, or later that day but that's usually what i eat for lunch i'll buy like three nice. or four bags or another thing i do is i get meals for dinner um yep. that are sent to me because I don't have time to think about what I want to eat. I just get the boxes. It's called HelloFresh. I'm sure oh, you yeah, we had that. We had that. It's sick. Yeah, so I get HelloFresh for dinners, and sometimes I'll have my leftovers because there's enough for two people in the boxes for dinner. And so I'll have whatever I had the second meal for lunch the next day. Nice. Yeah, I had those mm. for HelloFresh. They're really tasty. We had them for like yeah. a few months. It was yeah, it's good yeah. food and it's automated. Like, I don't need to think about what I'm going to eat. It's just freaking <laughs> go upstairs, open the next box, you know? Yes. <laughs> so uh, you've had a busy few years. Like, the last two years have been, I know we've had pandemic, but you, you're, the last couple have been manic for you. You released an album last year, which is incredible. But has yeah. it, how has it been for you the last two, the last pandemic years? It's been a really interesting last couple of years because I was in Berlin like right before COVID happened. And I was like living the life, like going out every weekend and like a caterpillar one night and then fur guy in the next. And like, it was so dope, honestly. But I mean, <laughs> you can only have so much fun <laughs> until you're like, okay, if there's no clubs open and I'm not getting booked anywhere because there's no clubs open then what is the point of me being here and it was just it would have just like it's so funny because I I had just like gotten like I did so much work to get my visa over there 
because mm. it's a lot of work to get a visa in, in Germany. Um, they make you jump through a lot of hoops to get that thing. And you have to pay a lot of money to get the right person to help you do it. And I did that. Um, and yeah, it was all for nothing. <laughs> oh, no. It wasn't all for nothing. It wasn't all for nothing. I had a great first couple of years there, but I mean, I spent the last year of the visa here. <laughs> so in Canada. And uh, so that was a bit of a waste. But yeah, like, I mean, I went over there because I had been touring North America so much for the course of the last 15 years prior to that, 20 years prior to that. And I felt like I needed a change. I felt like I needed to really push the European market and let them know who I was. And when it came down to trying to decide where to go, Berlin just seemed like the the right place to try and and um, kind of start fresh. And it was cheap to live and the music scene was incredible and I was super intrigued by it. So I went over there, made some really great friends too. And I was, like I said, living the life. I was loving it. And I was, <laughs> it took a while to get booked too. It's funny. They're very like, they don't just book you. They don't care what you've done. <laughs> they're just like, the way that those clubs are is like you sort of have to get to know them or you have to get on one of their German labels. Like it's a really weird, like closed uh, circuit club until you can like kind of like start slowly. And then when one sees you get booked, then another one will be like, oh, OK, well, they're booking her. So maybe we'll book her. You know what I mean? But it took me like six months to get my first gig there. It was really no hard. Way. Yeah, no, they do that. not care what you do. They do not care about international DJs. They don't care about any of that. Love they don't that. care. I, I kind of half <laughs> love that as well, though. I, I loved it. I loved it. Like all the rules of the rest of the industry, they do not apply there. They'd rather book some random person because they like their music like, and they're a local than, you know, some international artist. The only place that books international artists really is uh, Watergate. That's mm. the only club that falls into that. Oh, you had top 10 hits on Beatport. Okay, we're going to book you, you know, other than that, they don't, they don't give a crap about any of that. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I say. It, it must be, it must be, it's that double edge of being pretty cool, but also super frustrating at the same time. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because nothing I did in the past mattered whatsoever. Send them an email yeah. like, I've done this. I'm on Hot Sensei 2's label. They don't give two shits. They're like, who's Hot Sensei 2? <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I re it would be easier for me to be like, I know, like, uh, I know uh, Velton from the club because we had drinks last week. That would be more uh, effective of getting the booking than saying, I know Hot Society too. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love that. Yeah, that is Berlin. <laughs> that is Berlin. I'm going there in a couple yeah. of weeks, actually. So for the first time. So nice. I'm, very, I'm even more excited now to go there. It's going to be fun. I need to. I need yeah. to definitely remember who my locals are in Berlin and find out who they're who's going to be about. That is the key. And you had like a rich history, like you're like I'm saying you you've had some mad ass releases, like Needy Missile, Mountrap, Mastrap, Viva, Desert Heart, Kerry Chandler's label. Wow, sick. Yeah, um, long career. <laughs> 
I guess also to add to um, the Berlin thing, like, so basically what happened when COVID happened was I, I basically um, decided to come home because it didn't make any sense for me to stay there anymore. It was so weird how, how everything all happened because I was in a um, big fight with my landlord in Berlin. We were not getting along because they had like a faulty heating system. They renovated this apartment. I rented it and the heating stopped working in January. So I'm living in this apartment oh with no, oh, it was awful. And I didn't even oh have God. hot water. The heating was connected to the hot water too. So I couldn't even shower. So I was going to my friends to shower and I was fighting with my landlord. They didn't want to give me a deduction on the rent. And I was like, this is BS. Like, you don't have any heating in here and you don't have hot water. and You're not going to give me a deduction. Like, screw that. Um, so anyways, after a long battle, I was going to a lawyer and everything there. They ended up, um, I ended up just saying, screw this, I'm moving out. And so I took my minimal things that I had accumulated over two years. And I put it all in a little storage unit. At that time, COVID-19 was starting to get really popular in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> the word was it was a, a common term. Oh, this person's getting corona or coronavirus, I guess is what people were saying a lot more at that time. What so <laughs> and so um I was like, well I have some shows in North America. I'll put my stuff into storage. I'll go back to Canada mm. and I'll do my tour in North America. WMC was about to happen. And I had a Miami Music Week party as well happening. The Blue Party was um, a showcase I was throwing. Uh, and uh, that was in March, like, 26 or something like that. And then I also had a show in Vancouver and a show in Ottawa and Canada. So I get back. I'm, like, on my way back to Canada. And the borders started to close. And that's when, like, Trump came on and said, I'm closing the U.S. borders. And then literally the next day, Trudeau came on he was closing Canadian borders so I was like shit like where the hell am I gonna go then <laughs> I'm like in transit I want all these shows like okay well I'll go to Canada like North Canada where my, my family is so I mm. came up here I'm actually here right now two years later <laughs> oh, no way <laughs> I came up here because I mean, this is where I grew up. I'm actually right now. This is my high school bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, see that? That's a cassette deck. Yes. <laughs> Organizer. I just haven't bothered to take it off the wall. But yeah, this is my high school bedroom, and so I nice. set up like a a studio in here. Like I've got like decks and stuff. I ship my speakers from Toronto because everything was also in a storage unit in Toronto because I lived there for a long time. Hmm. So, yeah, so I came here and just the world was shutting down. I, I mean, we all thought it was going to be, what, a few months. So I thought I'd be here for a few months. And then over the course of 2020, it just never stopped. And then I went back to Berlin in 2020, November, because mm -hmm. all my stuff was still there. And I needed to get my winter clothes and things like that because it's starting to get cold. And I got like half of it and I moved out of the storage unit, put the rest of the stuff at a friend's. I haven't been back since, um, so I still have a bunch of stuff there. But yeah, I came, I came here, back here again, and we were like in a hard lockdown for a long time. 
Canada. So I just, mm. I stayed up here and I, I finished my album and, um, and then we released the album and it, I was still here and I went to Toronto and I recorded a bunch of live streams for promotion nice. of the album. And yeah, it was pretty cool. I got actually a grant to do the album from the Canadian government. The Canadian Sick. government gives a lot of money away to artists um, to support their careers. Yeah. And it's hard to actually get the initial grant. Like you have to apply for it. You have to give like a 35 page proposal on why you deserve it and stuff. But if you do it right and you can hire like say a person who's used to getting people these grants, which is what I did. Um, you can get it. And once you're in the system, they often will grant you another grant after you get it the first time. So we just went and applied for a second one. But yeah, I got, I got it after like applying twice and getting declined. And, uh, the third time was the charm. I got it. And it was perfect as COVID was beginning because it was like, I was out of work and I, yep. you know, money is useful <laughs> that time. <laughs> so... Yeah, so I finished my my album up here in Canada, and yeah, and now I'm starting to tour again and stuff like that. I'm going back to Toronto. That's the plan. Nice. Yeah. Um, Crosford in our chat. He's from he's from Toronto. So Crosford Yay! as an artist, did you hear that? Check that out. You can go and get you can get grants, dude, for your to help you with your your music if you've not. Done yeah, that. it's called Factor. Um, and then you so you released the album yourself. Yeah, I released the album myself, which was a last minute thing. It was actually supposed to come out on Kevin Saunderson's label, KMS, but he actually exactly at that moment decided because they sort of divorced from Armada and they were deciding that they were going to take a break with uh, KMS until they got a new distributor. And so we were like, we, and the, the way that the grant works too is they give you X amount of dollars, but you have to provide them with X, Y, and Z by a certain date. And if you don't have that, whatever is due by that certain date, whether it's a receipt for something or the actual audio files or whatever you need to do, you, mm. they will potentially like uh, not give you the money. So I had like a deadline that I needed to have the album out by a certain time you know, we got the grant in January of 2020. And so it had already been like a year since we had gotten the official um, uh, go ahead for it. So it needed to come out by March 2021. So um, I told Kevin like, okay, well, I'm just going to release it on my own label because it just made sense uh, at that point since KMS was taking a break. And I'm glad I did it honestly, because it gave me the power to just do everything on my own with the, my partner that helped me release it. Andy Reed, he runs um, nocturnal uh, multimedia and his own record label Phoenix music, but he has been helping me for years now with my record label. And he also is my grant applier. And oh, so nice. he like basically just worked with me. It was me and him like on the phone, like every single day, like getting ready. Like we hired the publicist together. We hired all the people that we needed to hire together. He handled his end. I handled my end and we did it together. And the album came out basically through both of our work. And it was like pretty interesting. And I actually, it was a ton of work, but like 
at the same time, I didn't have to wait for anybody to, to get any answers, like another record label, another party, et cetera, because it was just us doing everything. So I liked it. That's cool. And that yeah. was called Conviction? Yeah, I wrote half of it in Berlin, and the other half was written here in Canada, actually in this room. Do I remember the album sort of starts slowly and then it kind of, is that? Is that <clears throat> Monologue is the first track. And that's the big record that we did. And we did a music video uh, that we filmed in Berlin on my trip back in November 2020 <laughs> when I went to go get my stuff that was in a storage <laughs> unit. <laughs> and no we were way. like, let's just, yeah. So I was like, let's just film a music video while I'm here because I was finally reconnected with the singer, Fred. Fritz yep. um, used to be one of the lead singers of Azarian 3. Remember Azarian 3? That's Hungry. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. So, and I was, I had been a, a huge fan of Fritz's for a long time, even prior to Azarian 3. He's a really well-known LGBTQ2S plus artist um, in Canada. He used to be the lead singer of a band called Fritz Helder and the Phantoms. And nice. um, and then they formed Azarian Three in the early 2000s or mid. Sorry, not early 2000s. I'd say mid 2000s. Early 2000s was when he was Brit Helder in the Phantom. Yeah, like Azarian Three were so huge. They yeah. were so big, man. Oh my god, such a great great act. Um, but a couple of them didn't get along. <laughs> oh no way <laughs> yeah two, so two of the three two of the three didn't get to oh my god yeah so how was that process working with fritz like did you start the track first or was it a kind of collab process from the from right from the start i wrote the music and the first version of the music and then i sent it to him and he sent me back like a sample it was so funny too there's a part in the song where there's you could hear a guy going, ah, and his friend was visiting him from Russia at the time. We were all in Berlin and he had this guy doing that little tiny part in the song. And it <laughs> sounds like it's, it's him, but it's actually his friend. So he did this whole vocal, like the vocal was great. The whole, uh, the meaning of the song it's called monologue. Um, it's about like going out and like having this like inner voice inside yourself. Like, should I go? Should I stay? Like you're at the after hours and you're like, should I, should I get more messed up? Like, should I go back in? And <laughs> should I, should I not leave? Should I take some dude home with me right now? Like, it's like basically like the sketchy like monologue that you have with yourself at the after hours like when you're not sure if you should leave the party or not so like you can hear like the words it goes you know high at the party so speedy backboning like a mother he wrote it by the way i did not write it oh my gosh <laughs> he's like and then there's a party goes do i really want to go and then he's the monologue that goes yes he goes should i stay <laughs> yes should i go yes so anyways he writes the these words and he sends, he records them with his friend in the background going, ah, it's so funny. Anyways, I love that part too. It sounded so cool. And so I was like, yes, come into the studio, bring your friend. We'll record him doing this weird <laughs> ah thing. And so <laughs> we got That's the so studio. <laughs> so we got the studio booked. Um, Neil Barber uh, recorded the vocals, uh, like recorded for us, everything in, the, in his studio. We went to Neil nice. Barber's studio. 
And yeah, we took like group pictures and stuff. Like uh, it was a really fun day. And then, um, yeah, Fritz knocked it out of the park. We recorded one version and then I did like two other versions of the record just in case we wanted to do something with it. We weren't sure if it, at that time if it was going to come out on my album or if I was going to release it on another record label. So we wanted to do a bunch of different versions in case it came out with somebody else and they wanted to, you know, try different things out. There was one really big label that was looking at it and considering it, but it we ended up just self-releasing on the, and I'm really happy it ended up working out that because that gave me a really strong lead single for my album. And then, yeah, we, when I I had gone back for COVID and stuff like that, I was in Canada for most of 2020. We had finally got, I had finally finished the album. I called Fritz and I said, okay, there's a, I have funding to do a music video through, through the grant. And mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to come back. I need to get my, stuff from Berlin from that storage unit do you want to film a music video and this is another thing that was they Azari and three were really big for is their music videos like I don't know if you remember like their videos they were they were really huge part of everything that Azari and three did they did a video for everything and uh, so I knew Fritz would be able to help in regards to producing it and so he found the this Italian film production group and they basically i know and we got um a club in the middle of covid to agree to do like a full shoot which was really difficult at that time because everything was in lockdown so to get a club to open they weren't open but like to get to allow 25 people into a club to film nightclub scenes like where people were on top of each other dancing and stuff like when COVID was like flying around like hardcore at that time, um, that was really difficult to do. <laughs> and oh it was really God. cool. Yeah. And it was a really cool shit. So we shot this one day, like all day from, I think I was there at eight o'clock in the morning or something like that. And we shot until 11 o'clock at night and it starts out with, there's an actor and he comes in and there's a bar scene where they're singing to each other. And then, this guy gets super wasted. Basically, the guy with the monologue is the actor, and he's being mm-hmm. like, whatever, carried around by clubber clubbers and stuff like that in this club. And then the very final scene is in the basement, this like boiler room looking club where everybody's dancing and spinning this guy around and stuff. And I'm DJing, but yeah, it was a it's a cool video. I I don't know what I'm more proud of actually in regards to that song is like the actual song or the video because the video was super cool also the whole monologue conversation sounds amazing and i think yeah we've all definitely had that but i don't know if mine's mine should i stay or should i go mine's usually like where's the fancy dress should you yeah. put the fancy dress on <laughs> who's got the wigs oh there are no wigs should we should we sh- what could we wear as fancy dress oh there's a traffic cone <laughs> over there that could be a fancy dress oh let's do it yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all have some sort of an inner monologue at that time. Should we yeah. play with the squeaky mic? Yes, we should. <laughs> Amazing. So that so that single came out uh, uh, mid middle of last year. Is that right? Yeah, it came. It actually came out on February twenty sixth, two thousand twenty one. So we're coming up on the one year anniversary of monologue. No way. Yeah, it was. Um, 
we premiered the video and everything on the release day. And so, yeah, three day, in three days, it'll be the one-year anniversary. I'm going to do some big post about it probably uh, probably next week because this, week, this Friday is my Desert Hearts release. But, yeah, I'm definitely going to – I might, like, put the video on Instagram or something like that. We're definitely going to revive the, the track and remind people about the video because it's been a, a minute since I think people saw it. It was so much work and cost – cost a good penny to make so definitely going to uh <laughs> definitely give another little shove yeah exactly <laughs> um but yeah that came out february 26th of last year and then the album came out on march 12th of last year and we you know what i kept that album going until december december i was releasing singles of it and we released another album a remix album of it conviction remix in nice. the first week of december so or the second week of december or something like that i was like i don't think i've ever stretched an album like that out like that like before like we just kept it going and going because we did remixes from from like august or july until december we released a remix a month from the album yeah we signed on some pretty cool remixes too it makes sense though. You've got a body of work and just get it out there. Like yeah. keep pushing it out there and keep the numbers. Yeah. Flying. So it makes, it makes a ton of sense. Exactly. And because also it came out in the middle of lockdown. So I, I couldn't tour off of it. I could, I could promote the crap out of it, but then at the end of the day, it's only going to go so far because I can't do anything with it. I can't play shows, which is ultimately mm. the big, the end all of have it releasing music is mm. you get shows out of it, but I couldn't do that. And so like the, it just made sense to just keep releasing the singles because then when things started to open, which was around August for us, that's when I started touring again. Anyway, it was August and I toured all the way into December until Omicron happened. You had some mad, re I'm just scrolling through the remixes. You had some mad remixes on there. Carsten Sallows, I know really well. Uh, yeah. Radio. Carl Kinch, who I absolutely love. Vonda Seven. I love him. Oh, the Vonda Seven remix is amazing. She's from um, Anjuna Deep. Yep. And you know, it's so funny. You know how I met her was um, I was looking for a place to stay in Berlin when I was returning back in November 2020 or whatever when I was when we went back to film the video. And somebody put me in touch with her because she wanted to rent her apartment. So that's how I met her. And I was going to rent her apartment. And then she, I guess she was a music producer. She's like, well, you can use the equipment, you know, if you want, if you know what you're doing or something like that. I was like, okay, cool. And then I didn't know who she was like musically. And then we became Facebook friends. And then she ended up not going on this trip. And I ended up not staying in her apartment. So I stayed <laughs> somewhere. I, yeah. So she kind of bailed out on me on that at the last minute. But honestly, like everything was so unpredictable at that time. So she ended up not traveling. So we stayed in touch, though, We were because we were Facebook friends. And I would see her posting random tracks that she was releasing. She has her own label called Artwork Records. And I was like, oh, she's on Anjuna Deep. That's pretty impressive. And she sings on all her tracks. So I asked her if she wanted to do a remix. And she knocked it out of the park. That, the Premonitions remixes were really good because I had Kyle and her on those. So... They're really good. And the remix album I made sure was 50% trans, female, non-binary artists. 
LGBT because it was just important to me considering the campaign was about to launch that I, you know, uh, practice what I preached. Yeah, hundred um, <laughs> percent. Tell me about. Tell me. <laughs> Could you imagine if I just released a remix album of all dudes and then it was like we're <laughs> fighting <laughs> for representation on record labels? Uh, have you seen your remix album? <laughs> did did, did <laughs> did you find it? Did you find it hard? Did you find it harder to to find the people to remix, or did you yeah. already kind of have a lift? No, it's yeah. not that easy. I mean, there's there's a lot of discussion about it. I mean, we can even go into that right now. It's not the thing about it is is that because the 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 women and and trans and non-binary artists that are doing really well and popular, the ones that you want to re, to remix your tracks or you want to release on your record label. Because there's so few of them that are popular, uh, they're harder to get. So I went for like people who were like kind of like rising up and a lot easier to get, um, and it worked out that way for me. But I got a lot of turndowns uh, because I went for more popular ones at first, and um, there are fewer. That is the truth that are known. Mm-hmm. So it's it was harder for that reason, um, but there's still a lot of unknown, and that's another thing to also point out that's that cool. okay. don't know, didn't have an opportunity, or didn't have a place to release their music. And the campaign is really good for that, I'm, and I'm really proud of that. Is that we're giving a lot of girls an opportunity that didn't really know what to do with their music prior to our campaign so let's talk about the let's talk about the campaign then we'll then we'll talk about desert hearts the release um so tell, me about the, tell us about the campaign um tell us how the idea started and well, tell us about the campaign first let's let's talk about the, the the massive overarching and then we'll break it down okay so the campaign my campaign is called 23 by 23 um are assisting labels to help increase their representation of women trans and binary artists by the end of 2023. It all started with a a video that I did for Beatport. This was in March. Actually, this is around this time last year, almost. uh, We were about to release the album and it was International Women's Day. And basically what happened was Beatport contacted me. Beatport's really big on representation as well. They um, it did this thing, which was the campaign and the theme of International Women's Day last year, which was called Choose to Challenge. And you, they used the hashtag Choose to Challenge in your post, whatever it would be that day. And you talked about an area of the industry in which we could come further in diversifying and equalizing. Um, and this was the whole theme of International Women's Day last year. It wasn't just with Beatport. It was across the board in any industry, period. It was called Choose the Challenge. And mm-hmm. you would put, post a video and you talk about whatever industry you're in and how it could come a little bit further in regards to equalization. So my video, Beatport asked me to do a video. I came on and I just, you know, my phone and I just said, hey, everybody, um, I've been asked by Beatport to do Choose to Challenge uh, post, and my Choose to Challenge uh, post is about record labels. I feel like 
even though there's been tons of conversation about equalizing lineups and festivals and nightclubs and having 50-50 lineups of women to men and women trans non-binary artists represented, I still feel like record labels are all men. (laughs) And it doesn't feel like it's really changing. Like it's a little bit changing, but it doesn't feel like it's changing much. And no one's having the conversation. And so that's the video I did. And then uh, my publicist was like, maybe you should do an article for Mixmag about this. And he contacted Mixmag and uh, they were like, yes, we'd very much be interested in her writing an article about this. So I wrote an article and then Rebecca and I, DJ Rebecca, she had become, we had become friends over the course of the past year because she was also doing her campaign which was called for the music hashtag for the music. And uh, her website is like me dash to music.com or something like that. And it was basically for women, trans and binary minorities that are dealing with harassment and discrimination in dance music. So, and that all came off of everything that had happened with the um, Eric Murillo's death and uh, all these women coming forward and Derek May's, um, sexual assault allegations and she basically felt the need to create a safe space for women to cut in the industry not even just DJs but also um, people who worked in nightclubs uh, and who felt the need to come and and have a support group to talk so I told her I would help her with that basically I just all I did was I just said I'd be a ambassador to her campaign and do anything she needed if she needed me to post about anything etc and I we became friends that way and I would go to Berlin and she was living in Berlin and we would meet for lunch and talk and stuff like that we became friends so when mm-hmm. and she had to spend a lot of time putting campaigns kind of from all over the world um, and so I asked her I called her one day and I said so I did this video for Beatport and I'm writing an article and I'm just wondering if I should like before the article comes out maybe I should make this a campaign like maybe I should do what you did for for the music and like make a campaign out of this and she said yeah that's a really good idea like I'll help you if you want and I said that would be awesome so now we're going into like spring summer of last year she put me in touch with Native Instruments and so I got on the phone on well an email chain with Native, and uh, they were like, "This is a really interesting idea campaign." I also had a, a call with uh, Beatport and AFEM, the Association for Electronic Music, and the Association for Electronic Music. The head of it, he said, "You need to get some record labels to join on with this cause because when EQ50 started, for example, which was an equalizing campaign about lineups." They got a whole bunch of promoters to sign on to say they were supporting the campaign. So you being a record label campaign, you should get record labels, a a certain number of record labels to join on and say they were supporting and they commit to it and they would they would do whatever to support you. And I was like, shit, that's going to be hard (laughs) because because no record labels are doing it. So how the hell am I going to convince these people? Like, I thought that was going to be a huge challenge. So at first, when we started reaching out to them, it was, we didn't have a lot of response. But then we got on the call with Native Instruments. We had a call and Rebecca actually was the one that said, what if we did something through Metapop? 
where we did more of an activation and made it more, um, you know, engaging, you know, where people actually participated in something uh, like remix contests or challenges or something like that with the record label. And mm-hmm. so that is how I feel like that moment was when things changed because then we had a real goal and a purpose. Like the goal was always to help record labels increase their female representation or start a conversation about it. But like mm-hmm. you could only talk about it so much, you know, and until there's like something to do where we're constantly having like things going on to activate and participate and help actually change the, um, situation it's just a constant conversation so that is when things change because then I started learning about what Metapop was and I was like wow this is really interesting I still didn't really understand it for a long time until like literally until we started the actual campaign and we launched everything I was like okay this community is amazing so just to let you all know what Metapop is metapop.com go to the website it is a producer community that Native Instruments owns. I think the website started off as a separate community of its own, like a separate website of its own, and then Native Instruments bought it. And now, basically, it's powered by Native Instruments, and each, like, basically, the website is a producer community, and there's all these rooms, uh, groups. And, like, there's the uh, film uh, scoring group, and then there's the dubstep group, And then there's the um, hip hop group. And then there's, you know, all these groups. There was a female gender nonconforming group that had already existed and it had 30 people in it. And it had been, this group had been open for like a couple years and it only had 30 people in it. Uh, And they needed a reason to grow their community, their female uh, gender nonconforming community. Um, and they thought that my campaign would be a good way to do it. So basically over the course of the last six months, we put together a plan where we would run remix contests once a month and it would go for, basically it's going to go for two years because it starts in 2022 and it's going to go until the end of 2023. And so two years of remix contests once a month, you have to be in this group the female gender nonconforming group on Metapop. And that's how you enter the contest because there's a room for each contest and you upload your remix. And basically the remix contests are open to female and trans and non-binary artists up and coming. You could be a veteran. You could be a brand new artist, but just, you know, take your shot at these remixes. And we're doing, we're trying to do all genres of electronic music. Um, we started out our first two contests where we're Pool room and club sweat, but our next one is going to be with Soma, which is out of Glasgow, and that is like very hard techno. So it's like, and then right after that, we're going into Hospital Records, which is um, a female drum and bass collective in the UK, actually. Yep. So it's like, uh, I, I basically, um, once a month, we're doing uh, this contest, and the winners, third place gets Massive X, second place gets Complete 13, which is insane like it's like 50 synthesizers and then yeah and then grand prize gets complete ultimate which is like a hundred synthesizers and you also get a release on the record label your your track gets released on the on the label so over the course of you know two years we're gonna have 24 releases by different women 
uh, and potentially even more if the runners up get signed because they can always sign the runners up if they want to do too, if they really like their remixes. And most importantly, we're growing this amazing community of women and trans and non-binary artists. And the group is now at 210 members and it was 30 when we started. That's sick. Yeah. What's the group called? I'm just going to search for it. What's the group called? It's uh, called Female Gender Non-Conforming Group. Yeah. I'm just going to search for it and bring it up. It's, it's, it's called Female and Gender Non-Conforming Producers. There we go. I found it. Do you want me to, I, if you're, you can join if you're a, a female trans number. There we go. Oh, hang on. I'm just going to switch. There we go. I found you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So I, so if you're in the in the chat, I'm going to put it in the chat for those that are in the chat that mm-hmm. female and non-conforming yeah. genders. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And then over like on the left, once you're actually in the group, you can see each contest. And then there's also like some different topics and stuff like that. But and then there's the general, which is the main chat. And some of these girls, they just want, you know, a place where they can like chime in and talk to each other. And I have to be honest, it's I'm that this this group is one of the things I'm most excited and proud of in regards to on top of obviously the remixes and 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 all these girls doing these great remixes but like i really like the fact that these women have a place to come and talk to each other and ask Mm. questions that aren't you know there's no wrong question there's no dumb question like you can ask whatever you want you're not gonna get made fun of like you can ask questions about just your careers like what's the best thing to do how did you choose your dj name like all these different things and other women will give each other advice I found, as for me, coming up as an artist, it was really challenging to get advice. It was really challenging to get taken seriously in the studio. Um, I was often accused of not writing my own music, um, and I, I, I had a huge challenge in regards to becoming a producer. And this is kind of like my way to give these girls what I didn't have which was a place where they can come and talk to each other and get advice and not look stupid or feel like they look stupid and stuff so I think it's important that's so cool that's so cool yeah yeah totally and we're just actually starting this other really cool thing soon where um so we have like female ambassadors um Baby Weight is one. Rebecca's obviously one. We also had DJ Minx and LP GOB sign on, but we're gonna we're expanding our ambassadors now. And um, each woman established female artist that signs on as an ambassador, she's gonna be doing a production tip video. So we're starting a production tip video series soon. Um, Maxine's just signed on to be an official ambassador to the campaign. So has Jay Wara. Excellent. Yeah, and we're probably going to have like a whole bunch of new um, established female artists that are really popular giving advice to the, the girls uh, on different production tips in the studio. That's really so, cool. Yeah. I should link you with the guys from Education and Base because they've got female producers that will probably be up for this as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, anybody I'll, I'll do want... that email after. Okay. Cool. Yeah, they're cool. They're yeah. cool. They're education based, and they just look after drum and bass. But there's they've they have some amazing female producers on there that will probably be well up for to be part of this. Yeah. 
Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah, we've got great labels on board. Um, Desert Hearts is also going to be doing a contest later this year. Raw Authentic Music for Leo Nathan Grotto's label signed on. Um, and Juna Deep has just signed on. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about their contest. Um, who else? Aton Messi. Um, nice. Yeah. And Rules Don't Apply, a record label that Walker and Royce recently Royce. started. Yep. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch. I can't even remember. We could do but... one for our, our data, data transmission for sure. We could do one via data transmission as well. Sure. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a bit like, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a lot of work, man. It takes up all, all, all my time. <laughs> <laughs> there's times where I'm like, whoa, what did I get myself into? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's worth it in the end. There's great yeah. things happening. And at some point, I mean, just in general in life, you have to give back, you know? And I really feel like this is my way of doing this. Like, my whole career has been sort of like, you know, how can I get ahead? And like, this is literally to try to help other people. I'm, I'm happy to be um, trying to help, help some of these, these girls. I think it's important. That's so cool. And then you're helping the labels as well to, to, I guess, increase their female female population as well from a, from a label point of view. Like, yeah, like I mean, the re remixes are kind of the way that we're doing that, um, mm -hmm. and it gets them having a conversation about it and them actively participating in something where they know it's important. Tool room, like. They were amazing. I got to say, like, you know, Tool Room has, was for a while, extremely male dominated. Um, they were, mm -hmm. you know, they had all men working in their office for a long time. They only had like one girl here and there signed. And I remember seeing Stuart back in like 2017 or something like that. And being like, giving him a little nudge. I'm like, you should sign for women. Like... <laughs> And he was like, well, we have had a once. <laughs> and then, like, over the course of the last few years, they started this really cool initiative called We Are Listening, which is, like, really cool. It means we are listening to you. We understand that women need to be more represented better in, in, our, in our group. And over the course, they've got a bunch of women working in their office now. Uh, they've signed a ton of women. Their contests was amazing we had like 45 entries or something like that and Sick. um and they were all really good remixes too so i'm really I, and they were just so great to be the first inaugural contest um it was they were really great to work with and um yeah like i just i i think that they are like just having this hashtag we are listening and just really taking the time to you know, to diversify our biggest message in regards to this campaign is exactly what forum is doing, which is having like actual active meetings within your staff about how you can diversify because the biggest um, discussion in regards to, or the biggest pushback that a lot of the labels will say in regards to this conversation is, well, we don't get enough. We don't really get any demos. From women and that could that is you know probably um true in a lot of these cases especially the smaller labels they don't get any 
Google, the bigger Google might get more. But to just say that and then go about your day is not really, I don't think, the answer to this issue. One of the biggest things is we're having discussions about is how a label can actively diversify instead of just like waiting for the demos to come to them. And some of the discussions have been like, they can have, do what Tool Room did, like have a meeting, like have this hashtag community called We Are Listening, where you reach out to your audience and say, we are looking for women to submit demos. You know, that is a big thing. Even minorities, that's another thing. Like people of color, they are also at a very small percentage in regards to label signings and stuff like that. It's always about the music first. Always, always, always you sign a record because of what it sounds like. However, if your label's not diverse, a really good way to change that is by actually actively seeking out artists that are producing, women that are producing the sound of your label, or like like what I did basically for my remix album, or actually actively putting an, an announcement or a post up saying that you are looking to sign and diversify. Um, more women, trans, non-binary artists, people of color, whatever. Um, it's important to, you know, do like something on your end as well. Instead, I think of just waiting for demos to come in. Because I think the days of the A&R practice of just sitting around and waiting for demos to come in, it, I don't know if that's really the answer anymore to making changes in regards to how diverse a label can be. So. Mm. What was I reading earlier? Reading something you you'd put out earlier, and, and it had a load of questions, and it's, and I was kind of as we are starting our own data transmission label now. I was kind of trying to answer them from our from our point of view. Uh, one of them was, do you proactively seek female artists? Yeah, I guess we are, but I guess we are. But I was going to say, how do we how do we actively do that better? Do we do we provide fee feedback for female submissions? Well, we do feedback submissions on 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 my on here on Twitch with me, but. Should I be doing female-only ones? So, yeah, like, that's that's the thing is if, like, you have a record label, say, and you don't have any women on it, mm -hmm. and you get a few demos from women, but you don't like them, but they're mm -hmm. almost there, you know, maybe they maybe if they had just done this a little bit differently, you would sign the record. Why not say, hey, this could be, this track could be a lot better if you did this? Or if you could send me, you know, something that Carlo Leo did for me, for example, like I gave him something, he's been my friend forever, but like, I mean, he is very particular what he signs through Authentic. So I sent him a record that was really in line with Authentic Sound, but there was a couple things that he didn't like. He doesn't like any kind of melody in his song. Um, and so he just likes rolling hard tech house beats. And so like, I really appreciated that feedback because then I went back to the studio and I wrote conspiracy and that's how that track happened. That was from feedback. That's so cool. if he hadn't have done that, I mean, and I'm a pretty established artist, but like, I mean, and he's my friend. And so I got that feedback, but if, I wasn't a friend, I might not have gotten it. And that's what I'm trying to kind of say in regards to the feedback is like, mm. you don't really already have any women on your label and you get a few demos that are coming in that are, you know, all, you know, good sounding, but you're not quite sold on them to sign them. 
why not give them some feedback on how they could do better? And if the next track that they, maybe you don't want to sign that record label record at all. Maybe you don't even mm-hmm. want to give them feedback on that particular track because you don't want to sign them. Maybe you just say, just so you know, this is exactly what we're looking for. Um, you know, we don't like, you know, any kind of melodic stuff on the high end. We just like, you know, you know, beats. That's what we like to focus on the baseline, whatever, whatever your label prefers. I feel like that is, will be helpful and will help you diversify because there's like a combination of a couple different things happening. There's less women. A lot of these women are really, uh, intimidated to send their demos to a lot of these record labels because they just don't sign women at all. There's still mm-hmm. several tech house labels that are just still completely all dudes. And it's like, it's really intimidating to send anybody like that, uh, a demo when you know that there's nothing to look up to, you know, you can't be mm-hmm. what you can't see like that kind of thing. You're, you know, you kind of already feel like you're going against a wall when you're sending a demo to a record label like that. That's really interesting. Yeah. I yeah, I mean, we like our audience is literally mostly dudes, and I've been I have been thinking, thought about this for a while that we should. How do we improve that? Maybe we should. Yeah, maybe maybe we, we maybe that's what we should do. Maybe we should have a. Okay, we'll work on that for sure. Well, look at the community that I I started this this group this mm. female like I mean it's grown so much. There are, I didn't know most of these girls before we started this campaign. And like, Mm. they're like, thank God, like this is going on. Like, thank God there's a place for us to go. Like, I mean, all of these girls felt like there wasn't a place for them. And they feel like there is now because we've started this community and the record labels are actually actively participating in the contest. And they're saying that they want to do to sign women. And so they're giving these girls an opportunity to just come directly to them through these remix contests, Mm. you know. And that's another thing, the labels have been great. They've been really good. I mean, the ones that did sign on, like they really wanted to diversify. So mm. it's been an all around really great experience for everybody. We had a lot of flack on social media about it when it first got launched. Like there were some people on RA and Mixmag that were just like, fuck them. <laughs> in, the, in the comments. And I was, it was like, one one person was like, you don't, you shouldn't be forcing record labels. They should just be doing it on their own and what all this stuff. So what, what's the point of this campaign of forcing record labels? Just not, it's like, we're not forcing anybody to do anything. They're all yeah. actively like excited <laughs> about this campaign. They're not holding I, a I, gun I, to anybody's head and be like, you need to sign women. Like, no, they're like actually actively excited to be a part of this. And like, yeah. Yeah, it's a really exciting thing. It's a great, uh, it's great advertisement for the record labels too to have people posting about a contest all month long and yeah. their releases and stuff. Yeah, it's so good. So it's a win situation for literally everybody. I always love those comments where they say, where they say, "You're forcing someone to do." So-. No one's for. Yeah, you're right. No one's forcing anyone to do anything. Just no, exactly. If nobody wants to be a part of it, they just say no or it will pass on this or whatever yeah you know what i mean like but the ones that are like participating it's because they've like volunteered they're really excited so yeah like you said tour room and hospital like tour room and hospital are actively actively doing things and yeah it's just a no-brainer to be enjoy involved i'm sure 
Yeah. Cold Sweat um, actually is, is, they were already at like 50% women already. I didn't even know that. No, I didn't so. know. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah, I guess from our, from I guess when we do our feedback sessions on here, I guess I just because I put it out to, to the audience and say we're doing a feedback session, submit your tracks, and we do get a sm- really really small percentage of female producers, and I guess I just assume when we put it out, we would get music from every, anyone that wants to submit, but I wondered, and I'm just been like as you've been speaking, I'm wondering whether we because it's because it's me and it's a dude and it's is that affecting our submission rate? Do you uh, you can have a feedback session with another woman, maybe? We have done those. And again, we still yeah. do dudes. Um, what if you did a feedback session advertised for women producers? And I'm, then I'm I could even advertise it in the group. That would be cool. Yeah. That would be really cool. Like, we're, I'm ha- like we're happy to do them on, on here all the time. Like, we do them on here all the time. And... We should definitely. Maybe we can. We can. Like, I want to sign female female artists for my, for my for, for the new data transmission label, um, and we listened to a few already. But the more, the better, for sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, the more you start like putting this stuff out into the world, you're gonna get mm. a response. So that's the biggest thing to note. I mean, we had a response with this group. It's been great, um, and I I believe that more than now than ever. That when you put it out into the world, that's why Tool Room has so many new women that they're signing and stuff. And mm. the more you put it out into the world, the more you get a response. So I truly believe that's how things are going to change. Because just the way it was going for the longest time, nothing was changing. Mm. And things, some of these labels were so growy. It was just too much. Like... Even for me, an established artist, I had a hard time with a lot of these labels for a long time. Like, let's go back like two, three years. Like, hmm. who are the big labels? Like, Hot Creations, Sola, Sola was another one. Stereo Recordings. Like, can you think of women on these record labels? Like, you know, now some of them. But like, hmm. still, for the longest time, like Tech House, like, it was bad for a while. Solid Grooves. Like, what's going on? Guys. Like, it's just this bro circle. So I. <laughs> I love the first. <laughs> I'm sorry. But it was just like, dudes, like, it was too much. It was too much. No one wants to just stare at that anymore. You know what I mean? No one just, no one wants to go to a party and just look at a bunch of dudes up on stage, like, mm. thrown out. Like, we need some. <laughs> We need to mix this up. <laughs> so I think that it's changing now. I think it's slowly changing. And the thing that bothered me was that everyone kept being like, we need to diversify the lineups and stuff. And yes, we need to diversify the lineups. But how are you going to push these poor promoters to, I don't want to say poor promoters, not poor yeah. promoters, but like, you know what I mean? How are you to push these promoters to book people that, are not known yet because they haven't been signed. So it's like mm. you need it's all that's the root of the problem is the the fact that the the artists get known for the music that they put out. Artists get mm. known for the music they put out. They once you get to a big record label, you can potentially get booked on one of their showcases. Mm. So 
in order to have a promoter book an artist for being, you know, or have a diversified lineup, it's important for the artist to, let's say you're booking a festival, it's important for all artists to have some sort of a profile so they can sell tickets. So in order to do that, they need to be known for their music. So in order to do that, they need to be signed to big record labels. And so in order to do that, you need to diversify the record labels. This is all, it's like boom, 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 boom. This is the root. And and to me, it didn't make any sense that people were talking so much about diversifying the lineups and not talking about diversifying record labels at all. Like it was like one thing was being discussed nonstop and the other thing wasn't being discussed at all. So I'm happy that this campaign is finally shedding light on this. Yeah, I, I I really agree with you. Like you're right. You can't. I like the, the poor promoters. Let's call them poor promoters. We're not oh, promoters. God. But, but uh, <laughs> you're right. The the promoters will will book the people on artists' heat, and heat comes from from music and and people buying and wanting to listen to those tracks, which is yeah a whole other problem altogether. But um, you are right, and and make, getting the going in that label route seems to make a lot more sense than trying to hammer promoters to book artists that aren't going to put bums on seats at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that naturally the lineups will change once there's a lot more women that are known as producers. I think that'll just naturally happen because you they want like I mean it's it's great to book a female act on the lineup. It's just ultimately. Um, how how does somebody get known on an international level? How does somebody get known on a worldwide basis? It's through their music. So the record labels need to make a little bit more of a commitment, I think, to seeking out female talent. And I think that hmm. this is a good way through this campaign. Hopefully, it'll start more conversations about it. Crossford says, this reminds me of the challenge of getting girls into STEM trades. How do we engage young women to get interested in DJ production careers? There's a documentary actually on Netflix and it's called um, This Changes Everything. And it's about women in Hollywood. It's actually um, Gina Davis, Reese Witherspoon, a lot of famous actresses are on it. They talk about, um, yeah, and they talk about, um, I guess, the Hollywood uh, scene in directing women directors and women in lead roles. They had this problem for the longest time. It was always the women roles were always like getting saved by men and like there were literally zero uh, directors that were getting signed on to direct movies in all of um, the Academy Awards history. I think there's been one uh, female director that's one. So, and there's barely ever any, it's like the same thing in regards to, to us. Like there's barely ever any nomination. It's always men. So they started talking about over the course of the last few years about the change that has, has been made. And one of the things that they talked about was how, when that, this thing called the CSI effect and the CSI effect is remember that television show CSI. Mm-hmm. It was one of the biggest television shows in the world. And uh, there was all these spinoffs like CSI Miami, CSI forensic, you know, CSI. So it was uh, the lead of these shows were always uh, women, female uh, forensic pathologists. And apparently prior to the show, there were no female forensic pathologists. After the show came on the air and became one of the biggest shows in the world. Now there are more 
female forensic pathologists than there are men. And then there's all these oh, other really? examples. Yeah, so they call it the CSI effect when like you cannot be what you cannot see. You put more women in this role to inspire others. All of a sudden, all these women want to get into the field. Um, the movie Brave, the Disney movie with the girl with the red hair and mm-hmm. the Hunger Games. So apparently when those movies came out, more little girls got into archery than men, than adult men, little girls. There were more more little girls getting into becoming archers than just men in general. So it's That's like, nice. yeah, like all these things to inspire, become, make you want to inspire to do something because you can see yourself in that person. And so there's like huge facts around this. So I think that the more women that are in a position of mm. becoming like the ones that are doing something and making good music, the more they're signed. They're going to inspire other women. It's the same thing as trans artists to people of color, minorities. The more you mm-hmm. put these people in a position where they're not normally, you're going to inspire all these other people. You're going to look at, they're going to have somebody to look up to. So that's, uh, that's so true. We, oh, literally, we went, we, we took my daughter to the, to Silverstone racing circuit in a couple of weeks ago. And nice. my mum said, my mum said to her, uh, cause we went to this museum and my mum said, to, we were going around the museum and my mum said to her, oh, there's, there's not many women in here in this, in this uh, museum. And my, my daughter said, my daughter sort of whispered to her, I don't think girls do this. <laughs> and there and there are loads and there are there are more women in motor racing, but again again another problem. But yeah. she was like, I don't I don't think girls do this, nanny. Um, and so she just uh, flatly assumed that it wasn't for her, for, for girls. Right. Yeah, and she's put more girls showing her that girls are doing it, and then mm. she'll think differently. So I think that that is one of the biggest things in regards to saying that women aren't into production. There's also like an argument. I, I mean, I've talked in depth <clears throat> with um, Samantha Warren from AFEM. She's head of the diversity. She runs, mm-hmm. runs a thing called In the Key of She. And they're starting a female directory for female producers that are making music. And um, she ended up actually co-authoring this article that I wrote, this article that's still not come out that I wrote for Mixed Mag. But she's mm-hmm. now contributed to it with that. And she seems to think there's it's actually there's way more women producers that people don't just don't even know about based on her own research she does like actual research i'm just talking about my own personal experiences what i'm witnessing this woman is a university professor that does research i mean she's working for afem so she has to do the research she has to provide actual stats and um, her experience seems to be there's way more women producers out there that are just not getting signed or intimidated to send their demo and all this other stuff. That is another discussion. It's like, why are they sending their demos then? Are they intimidated? What's the deal? You know? So there's a lot of, I just, the most important thing is this is a discussion. There's a little bit of an activation happening now with this campaign. We're providing, maybe we can't change the entire industry, but we're changing it by having a constant campaign going that keeps the discussion going and also finds women in the, in the midst of it all too. So I'm doing my part. <laughs> Epic. We, we're yeah. trying to as well. But someone said, would you Thank consider you. yourself, would you consider yourself a techno artist who boys on tech house or a tech house artist who boys on techno? I am all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be the first one to admit it. 
Honestly, like, oh my goodness. Like, it could be a downfall in some manager's, you know, eyes because they always say, have a sound, have a unique sound. But like, I, you know, the reason why I love Hotspur City too, he's one of my favorite artists. Um, it, the reason why I love him so much as an artist is because he is so versatile. And he, mm. even though he has this like key, like kind of like deep, sound to himself he still does like melodic sometimes and then he also plays tech house so i guess if there was anyone i don't want to compare myself to somebody but if there's anybody that i look up to in regards to that kind of an artist like uh similarly i guess it would be him because i i really feel like my main sound is sort of deep house but like energetic deep house if that makes any sense like if you listen to like if you listen to uh conviction it's very deep sounding um it's got a lot of deep like overtones to the entire thing and then there's like a tech house record like i think that conviction is probably the most tech house sounding track on the whole album the rest of it's pretty deep um so I'd say my my main thing is like deep house, like not boring deep house, but like energetic deep house. And then I also make tech house. <laughs> boring deep house. Oh god, I hate boring deep house. But <laughs> it's like energetic deep house, you know, stuff that still gives you like chills and groovy, you know, but like it's also mm -hmm. not like super tech house either. So somewhere I guess in somewhere in between tech house and deep house. Like that. Okay. Hypnot I always just say hypnotic tech house nice. that was the genre if there was a genre that i could make for myself that would be it let's 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 make that happen that'd be well cool i play hypnotic tech house because yeah it's my favorite kind of tech house you and oh sugar who was that shelly in the chat who was that dj we saw in london that time who was definitely technotic hypnotic tech house Oh man, we saw this. Who did we see at the Junction 2? Not Junction 2, in um, Tobacco Talk. Shelly, Shelly, my other half, is in the chat, she'll remember, because it was proper hypnotic tech out. And we were just like being sucked into the speaker. Like, oh, I love was, that. Ah, oh, Butch. Yeah, it was Butch. That was who it was. Butch. Oh, love yeah. Butch. <laughs> love, 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 love. See, there you go. That's exactly we was, mine. We was in, we was in, the, in, the, in the, the old basement of the, of the tobacco dock and, and it's just like being sucked into those massive speakers and we're like yeah yeah i also like um like the stuff released on like moon harbor for example yes. that's that's also very hypnotic tech house it's got like deep elements to it but then it, it's not cookie cutter tech house like i don't want to say what but <laughs> i think i've called out enough people in this chat so the the new one is out on Desert Hearts Black. Should we talk about this? Yay! Yeah, I'm stoked about it. So excited. And again, this is more. This is tougher. This new one. Yes, I was honestly experimenting with some <laughs> different things. <laughs> um, awesome. Actually, both tracks are this um, style of producing, like this this studio trick that's called Shadow Groove. It's like uh, when you take a a sample and then you put a vocoder on it and turn it into white noise and then you put it you can put a resonator on top of it and then it makes an even cooler sound and that's basically the theme of both records i did the same trick on both records and it gives the sound of 
uh, being in like a dark warehouse. That's a, a lot of uh, yeah. A producers, lot of producers, are made producers, this producers in the chat. If you've got any questions about that, write the one now because that sounds amazing. The gang in the chat will probably go mental when the, when the, when the lag catches up and probably ask you a whole lot of questions about it. Yeah, so you can like go on YouTube and you can type in Shadow Groove. I think right. like there's this guy from Under, Underdog Music School or whatever his name is, um, Oscar. He did a whole video about it. It's actually where where I had the idea to do it. I wanted to make something that was like warehouse sounding. So there's that, and then <clears throat> in a couple of like there, I did some other little tricks in it that were like total experiments, and it worked out. Like um. I think Slumber with a Key, I, the drop in the main, main drop is like a, a sound design through Ableton plugins. Just, I, I wanted to make like an electrical sounding thing and I watched a couple of YouTube videos on how to do it. And yeah, so it was like all, all this experimenting that, that, that's the CP. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I sent it to, um, Marbs and Mikey Lyon from Desert Hearts. And the way that I, I I do this sometimes to get my track signed, it seems to work. When I'm road testing it, I take the video of the crowd reacting, and then I send the demo with the video. And I sent them two videos of me playing both tracks at one of my very first gigs back at this after hours in Toronto called Vertigo. And nice. I mean, people were like, ha, 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 ha. Like, they were freaking out. And I was like, Okay, like this is, I gotta send this to them with the demo because, you know, this is a good way to show them that people will react to this if, you know, they sign it. They got back That's to me cool. right away and they signed it. Do you ever put the video on their stories and then tag them? You know, you can slide tags off the side <clears> so that you can, so they can, so they can see it, but you can't see it. And then uh, you kind of put the video on stories and then slide the tag off to the side so that they, you can't, they can't see that you've tagged them and then they'll see that, see this video they've been playing. I've done that. Uh, I have done that with other things. So I'm going to be posting those videos actually this week um, because it's good for the promo of the, of the records. I'm going to, I'm going to say um, these are the videos that I took when I was first road testing them and I sent them to Marbs and, and, uh, and he signed them right away. So Nice. Well, send me them. Yeah. I'll put them on DT as well, man. That's I cool. will. I will. I will. So the, we premiered the Slumber Slumber with a Key. Tell me about this. Tell me about the. There was a story behind this track I'm, I, from the press release. But tell me. Tell us about uh, it. Salvador Dali. Yeah. So Salvador Dali. I was just reading a book, and I just thought this, this story was so clever. I was reading a product a productivity book actually about being more productive in life and stuff. And I, in they had this insert story about Salvador Dali and how the way he painted was by sitting in a chair holding a key in his hand and then he would like pass out in the chair and then the key as soon as he passed out the key would hit the ground and then he'd wake up and whatever he dreamt for like five seconds there he would paint it that's why his paintings were so wild because he was lucid dreaming uh, that's what they were so no the style of painting he called slumber with a key he would literally lucid dream, like he'd pass out, he would hit the ground, boom, wake up, paint, what do you, what do you dream? That's so sick. Yeah. So I was like, that's Man. such a cool name, Slumber with a Key. I'm going to call my track that. And then I, I sent it when I, it was so funny because I, in a second is actually the lead track on the EP. And um, they were like, we'll keep in a second as the lead track. 
but mm. we like Slumber with a Key so much, we're going to name the whole EP that. <laughs> I was like, okay, makes sense. <laughs> that makes, okay, that's weird. That's cool, though. Yeah, yeah. How awesome. do you enjoy your downtime? Obviously, I, I know when I, one of the things I heard Pete Griffith speak actually one time when uh, from Tool Room, and he said, when your when your hobby becomes your passion, you need to find other hobbies to kind of keep your mental state uh, happy. Um, how do you, what other hobbies do you have? I've been skiing a lot recently. Nice. Um, it's been a big thing that I've committed to this year. Actually, I've skied a lot. Um, at least, at least once a week, sometimes twice a week for the entire winter. We have so much snow out here right now. <laughs> like if I were to show you the window, it's completely covered. It's just, you can't even see out. It's snow. Like the snow banks are up to over our heads right now yeah it's absolutely insane i've never seen it no like way it. yeah yeah literally over my head and i'm tall <laughs> i'm five nine and a half no way <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy because i i mean it's northern Ca northern canadian community um and but we did not get this much snow last year it's crazy so anyways i i, I hobbies i i went as I was home, I decided to go and get new skis last year and this year. And mm -hmm. it's expensive hobby. Um, but over the course of last year, I, I got, got all the equipment I needed. And then I just spent, this is my, this is what I do now for, for <laughs> to get out of the house. Cause otherwise you're just feeling like super claustrophobic. Cause it's so cold and snowy here. Mm -hmm. So it's a way to be outside. Yeah. Um, That's I do cool. yoga. Too. I do a lot of yoga. I work out. Exercise is a really important part of my life regimen. I do that every morning. I meditate every morning. That's also really important to me. I read. That's cool. <laughs> oh, wicked! What's the last? What's the, what, what books have you read? Tell me about books. I love reading books. I um, I, I, I hammer them so much. So <clears throat> I um, I'm currently reading Atomic Habits. Oh, I love that book. By James Clear, yeah. Um, I don't read fiction usually. I usually read these type of books. I either yeah, read too. books about, you know, uh, the soul and um, how to navigate our life with through relationships and things like that. And then I really love productivity books. Love productivity books. You know, it just it helps you in life. Period. Um, so and um, and I and I'm a avid podcaster i listen to a lot of podcasts i have a subscription to audible yeah well. me too in addition to reading books because you can like double up on your book intake this way um mm -hmm. and one of my new favorite things to do when i'm on the flight going to a gig is to just listen to a book and because instead of like having to whip out my laptop and put on some television show or whatever you know like it's all clunky and the tray table and you're sitting there like you have all this stuff already. Like it's just like put my headphones on and listen to a book. It's just so much more convenient. So, and it's more educational that way too. So yeah, I'm like reading while I'm also, um, while I'm also listening to books. Another one of my favorite books of the past year was a book called how to change your mind by Michael Pollan. Nice. I've not read that. That's and cool. It's it's about psychedelic therapy. Okay, um, cool. And psilocybin therapy, and uh, yeah, I found it to be 
it's like the history of psychedelics and basically like how they were healing people for a long time back in the 1950s until um, Ram Dass and uh, Timothy Leary basically screwed it all up with just giving everybody tons of LSD at Harvard and back in the 1960s. And then they like completely banned psychedelics and closed down all of the research. And now fast forward to the our year last five years, they've opened mm-hmm. all of the research back up um, and they're doing it at like John Hopkins University. And there's an entire ward now uh, dedicated to psychedelic research. People are like quitting their addictions by doing this therapy. It's absolutely insane. And it's just basically about how it can really heal you. And I found it to be interesting. I actually did the therapy back in August and I thought it was really helpful. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, read one more. I've just finished. What books did I finish? I finished The High Five Habit by Mel Robbins, which was absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love Mel Robbins. I'm doing, I'm doing this mad one. It's called Profit First. And it's like full on business profit and numbers and and i and i read books first thing in the morning like literally on a saturday morning i'll sit in bed with my bluetooth headphones on i literally read and and that's like first thing in the morning like hardcore numbers and you're going you're sitting there going with a cup of tea going whoa whoa, okay cool (laughs) that's okay though i heard there's a really good book called the psychology of money too that i actually want to get yeah, and it's a really good about finances. I mean, the more you teach yourself about your finances, the better you can be in life, period. I think this is something that we don't get taught enough, to be honest. Yeah. And so reading books about stuff like this is it's a good thing. Yeah, the Profit First one's interesting. It's like literally redesigning the whole business model by taking your profit out before you do anything else. It's like, okay, cool, interesting. Mm. Right, we've got some questions from the audience. Uh, okay. Crossford, do you ever take a sample of, or, an, or an instrument and just layer effects until it turns into something epic? Yeah, well, I, how I created the um, the Desert Heart CP is exactly what I did. So the, the, the shadow groove thing is like, it's really interesting. All you do is you just take the sample and then you mm-hmm. put a vocoder on top of it and then you put a resonator on top of it and it turns into this completely different thing the original samples of um both uh, of uh, the the white noise sounds that are in um somber with a key and in a second the, the ep that i have for desert hearts those are like just melodic pianos but then what i did was i took the vocoder and then I put it on top of it and then it just turns into white noise and then you put a resonator on top of that and then it sounds like something totally different it's like this new like uh sounding like melodic kind of sounding white noise thing it's a really really interesting little trick and it's totally the secret of um how uh uh that warehouse sound is made for a lot of techno records a hundred percent that's sick yeah uh rob vice i noticed you had a few releases on tour room i wonder what our tips are for sending demos to tour room they definitely have a specific sound a hundred percent so really research what they um are doing uh 
And I guess, like, I don't know. Like, if you know one of the guys there, that's usually an uh, easier way to get in with them. Um, mm-hmm. Or if you can get an email of a personal person like Matt's or I don't know if Pete is involved in it. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, they have a pretty structured A&R system. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, a personal touch is always better than just, like, info at whatever. So, if you can get a personal email. Well, guys, email just go and hang out there. Talk, they do tour events everywhere. Go on, talk to them. But Do you want to meet them at the thing? Yes. And, like, exactly. And they have a whole team of people. So, yeah. even you don't need to meet Mark Knight, necessarily. <laughs> just get to know the staff. What music outside of house and techno do you like to listen to? Okay, so I love um, trip hop. I love Massive Attack and Chiba and Portishead and all that. I love M83. I love LCD Sound System. Ah, yes, I love LCD Sound System. Yeah. I love classic rock. I like Tom Petty a lot. I love Tom Petty. Um, I love The Weeknd. Nice. Yeah, he's a Canadian guy um, from Toronto. So I've got a little bit of a soft spot for him. But I love his <laughs> music. It's so good. His music is amazing. I love his music. Um, I'm just going through my Spotify list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have, like, so many favorites. Um, I love... I love 80s New Wave. Nice. I love 80s New Wave. Love, love. I love Depeche Mode. Nice. Um, I really like Simple Minds. Yeah, The Cure, The Arrhythmics, Talk Talk. I love Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, I like a lot. Oh, Madonna. I love Madonna. I really like her her new music, though. I'm not a big fan of her new, new music, to be completely honest, but love everything up until probably 2010 that she's ever made. Um, we were talking about podcasts earlier. What's your favorite podcast? I don't want to say because it's too controversial. <laughs> ah, <laughs> to yeah. Fit. I know what I'm not saying. I'm not saying. <laughs> the Tim Ferriss podcast is my favorite podcast. <laughs> Nice. Yes. Nice. The Tim Ferriss podcast is actually one of my favorites. So I have every book um, mm-hmm. by Tim Ferriss as well. Four Hour Work Week, Tools of the Titans. I love Tim nice. Ferriss because of the fact that um, he's focused on productivity. And so he interviews these brilliant people who are like a game at whatever they do. Like Tools of the Titans and Tribe of Mentors are both books basically where he's taking the interviews that he's done in his podcast and he's put them in giant hardcover books. They're like this thing. They're amazing yeah. books. They're amazing books, amazing podcasts. I'm a huge fan. Um, another podcast I love is Jay Shetty. That's a good really, oh, nice. called Yeah, it's called On Purpose. I've been listening to that one right before I go to sleep um, because he's just so like, you know, whole think like a monk thing i want to actually get mm-hmm. that's another book i want to get is think like a monk have you read it no I want to get i've seen book. his youtube stuff but i've not seen it i've not listened to his podcast 
I like, book, I, like, I like Stephen Bartlett's podcast. That's a really good podcast. Who? Steve Bartlett's podcast. It's called A oh. Diary of a CEO. Oh, okay. It's really, cool. It's really I'll check cool. it out. His I'll book's really out. good as well. Um, another podcast I listen to in the day as I'm starting my day is a, a podcast called The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. Oh, and he... Um, has written some really cool books called The Obstacle is the Way, Ego is the Enemy. Oh, no way. Cool. I want to get it. I'm going to actually, I've read a piece of the book, but I haven't read the whole thing. Um, And he also wrote a book called The Daily Show. He's written a whole bunch of books, but his whole thing is based off of Marcus Aurelius and Seneca's uh, writings and the whole concept of stoicism. So I really like his stuff. And it's a really good podcast to listen to like on a daily but he does like a daily thing where he um has like an excerpt from the book or whatever there's a whole but i could go on about this one for a long time like there's so (laughs) many podcasts i love like oh what's your favorite canadian thing says boxing day okay wait no that's a british thing i think that we probably picked up from you guys yeah being a part of the commonwealth that we are um what's the canadian thing we do a lot of British stuff, eh? Like Victoria Day weekend is like totally random weekend that we have to celebrate, but it's awesome. What's it's Victoria Day weekend? We May, don't have that. May 2-4. And people like call it like May 2-4 like in Canada, what? in Redneck Canada, because it means getting a 2-4, like 24 case of beer. Ah, um, nice. What's May two four, but it's usually it's usually around May twenty fourth weekend. Like it's this year, it's it's May twenty third. Oh, yeah, it's always the weekend before Memorial Day weekend in the U.S. So if you're a Canadian and you're a touring artist like me, you usually have to do long weekends in a row. So I was always going back Sick. and forth between the U.S. and Detroit. Is always Movement Festival. Is always yep. um, Memorial Day weekend. Like the weekend after Victoria Day. That's usually a, a crazy time of the year for me. And this, yeah, because we're coming in, we're coming out of the winter. It's like spring. It's like an exciting time. Lots of gigs are happening. Festivals are starting to happen. Um, but Canadian thing, like I don't know, like I don't know what a Canadian thing is. Like I don't know why I can't think of it right now. People always <laughs> us, um, make fun of us and say like, maple syrup and stuff. I guess I like. How it uh so gigs are opening back. Are you so gigs are opening back up? What's happening this year for you? Let's tell us before we jump out of here. Um I mean I'm doing my I, I had off I was off now for the last couple months because of Omicron. I actually got Omicron in early early January. Um I half had it. And then weeks ago. your wife had it? My have you half, had COVID yeah, she, yet? Uh last uh when did I have it, gang? Last July. I streamed the whole time. It was fun. It was in my, we just yeah, moved the stream. Okay. From, we streamed from up in my living room because I basically uh, quarantined in my living room because I had a toilet next door and bathroom next door. So I basically moved all the streaming kit up there. Then then someone okay. sampled my, one part of my stream and made me into a, there's a cop that's my COVID cough is part of a record now. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I had it. I had it for a very short period of time at the beginning of January. And then I was supposed to be going to BPM to host my party, got canceled. Then I had gigs in the Dominican Republic in February, got postponed. So mm-hmm. March, I'm back on the road. Um, 
and I'm doing uh, a double date with Joyce Muniz in Austin and Denver uh, mm-hmm. in March, March 11th and 12th. Those are going to be big shows because the Austin one's the start of South by Southwest and Denver's going to be a really big show. Um, and then I'm going to Dominican Republic and doing two dates there at the end of May. Um, yes, I will be playing a bunch of stuff. I'll be playing Canada again now, finally, because Canada's finally opening after all this time. Um, Toronto, Toronto open, but like BC, British Columbia, Vancouver and all that, they've been closed the entire time. Like the club that I play there, Gorgamish, it just opened last weekend since it closed in March, 2020. So no way. Yeah. Like a lot of places have been closed this entire time. Montreal opened for like two weeks. No talk about no. talk about ripping it the cord out from under these poor people. Like they finally opened. I think it was like end of November, and then Omicron mm-hmm. happened, and they were like, "New Year's isn't happening." Sorry. So they're oh opening. I think. I know. I know. So everything's just starting to open up here. So Canada's going to be full on by June, May, June. Um, and I'm obviously touring the United States a lot. I'm going to go back to Europe. Um, I'm going to come back. There's been some discussion about me potentially speaking at IMS about 23 by 23. I'm not sure if that's happening or not yet. Awesome. Well, that'd be cool. I got emailed about IMS literally before the stream and I was like, I see if I was coming and we should see, but yeah, it'd be awesome if you are, that can, you can hang out. It'd be cool. Yeah, for sure. And for twenty three, twenty three, you the the next remix competition is for Soma. Can people start downloading parts and submitting now? Not yet. I'm waiting for the parts right now. We're about to launch the contest. We literally just finished Jay Wara's uh, remix contest for Club Sweat. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, will be that'll be judged by the label over the course of the next two weeks, and then awesome. we should be launching. Soma's contest next week. So we're in a little bit of a gap right now. But cool. if you're a female trans non-binary artist, you can still join our group and keep tabs on the community and start getting to know the community. And then um, details about the contest will be up soon. In addition to that, I'm going to be making a calendar soon, actually, of all the remix contests. So we'll be talking a little bit more. And there's going to be some Ableton content happening. We're doing some Ableton courses, too. That's going to launch, I imagine, in about three or four months. So That's sick. Okay, yeah. cool. We'll keep yeah. an eye on. I'll put them in the Discord and DT and stuff once they're out. Yeah. I'm excited. And I'll have new music coming out, too. I have, uh, like, a whole bunch of new music that I'm in the studio making right now. I have another EP coming out in March for Culture. Uh, Junior Sanchez and, and uh, Demure. Oh, nice. Them. He was on here before Christmas. That's cool. I saw. I saw. Nice. Yeah. I saw clips of it anyway. Wicked. Thank you so much. For, I'm conscious of time. Wicked, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been epic. I'm really good yeah. to see you. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. Well, thanks for having me.